Hello, welcome to Meet Your District Supervisor. I'm Halili Knox, and we're here with Supervisor Malia Cohen from District 10, which includes the Bayview Hunters Point, Potrero Hill, Dog Patch, Candlestick Point, Visitation Valley, and Portola neighborhoods. Supervisor Cohen started her first term this January, so she's new to the board. We're going to get to know her and talk about the toughest issues facing the city. Welcome, Supervisor Cohen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school, and uh, the jobs you've worked. Sure. Uh, I'm a native San Franciscan. I grew up in the Portola neighborhood most of my childhood. I uh, went to Lakeshore Elementary School, Aptus Middle School, and Lowell High School. I love to talk about Lowell. It's a fantastic school. Great alumni. Um, I did my undergraduate work at Fisk University where I studied uh, political science with a concentration in public administration. And I actually worked eight years, largely in the public sector. Most of my time was in the public sector. And then I earned a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in public policy and management. So my work, my work experience is actually very um, varied. I spent some time as assistant executive director for a nonprofit on the Hill on Middle Point Road. I was assistant there to a wonderful woman named Julia Middleton, affectionately known as Aunt B. And the park that I worked at was Aunt B's Park, but also more formally known as the Hunters Point Community Youth Park Foundation. And we did after school and summer programming there for a lot of the kids in the neighborhood. I've also have a background in working in politics, uh, both on both sides of the bay here in Oak, here in San Francisco, and also in Oakland. I've uh, done some fundraising for different candidates as well as issues. I've got a work experience with the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, but um, I'm actually most proud of the work that I've done for myself. I started a business called Power Forward, which is a social media and public policy um, consulting firm. So why did you choose to return and live in San Francisco, and what motivated your interest in politics? The motivation for me running has to do with just my love of San Francisco. And when I look around, I look at the, my neighborhood, and I see the changes that are happening. Uh, I see um, people picking cans out of the garbage. I see that there's no neighborhood grocery store. I see that uh, businesses, small businesses in particular, are coming and going, and um, they haven't been really able to sustain themselves. And uh, from my working, work experience in working for the city, um, in the mayor's office, as well as in a nonprofit, I had a good sense as um, to what some of the challenges were. And when I looked down at, in the future horizon, I could see more challenges coming. And I thought that I had a set of experiences um, and more importantly, a passion and a desire to serve. And it actually started at one point in my life when I was eight years old. I took a tour here with my third grade class to City Hall. And if you recall coming in through the rotunda, seeing the grand staircase, I mean, it's just very mesmerizing, very memorable, and very powerful. And it was really at that moment that I decided that I wanted to work here in this building. And uh, later on in that day, I had a short conversation with then Mayor Diane Feinstein. And she actually spoke to the entire class, and she spoke for just a couple minutes, but she really planted that seed of public service and to give of yourself um, selflessly. Giving um, of your time and your talents is something that my parents instilled in me very early on. So serving um, District 10 is actually just an extension of, of who I am and um, just a, a, um, a general desire to, to help um, improve the quality of life of all people in San Francisco. Where do you place yourself on the political spectrum? Are you left? Are you right? 
Well, you know, I'm actually more forward-thinking. And so for me, it's less about being left or right or in this town uh, moderate or, or, or progressive. It's really about the issues and about creating policies that will have a sustainable and lasting positive impact on the families that live here. It's very costly and very difficult to do business in San Francisco, to raise your children in San Francisco, and I'd like to have a voice in at that table to really create policies that will minimize... Um, um, the stigma that San Francisco is not a big business-friendly city. Minimize the stigma that San Francisco care, uh, cares more or prioritizes the rights of dogs over children. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that we started to go in the wrong direction. And the reason why we started walking down that path largely was because of political ideology. Deal with, when you deal with me, you're dealing with the facts, um, less about politics. I really want to have an, a positive impact on, on the city overall, specifically District 10, bringing it into, uh, connecting it to the city. I mean, it largely has been left, um, left on the fray. People have been able, been left to defend uh, for themselves. And um, I, I'm honored to have been elected to serve, to be the next advocate uh, for the next four years, hopefully the next eight years, to really protect, defend, and to serve for the residents of, of, of District 10. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the issues facing District 10. Um, before we do, I, I'd like to know a little bit about what you learned campaigning for supervisor. Was there anything surprising? <laughs> yes. Talk to me a little about that experience. A couple things I learned. First, I learned that a lot of the conversations that we have about our neighborhood and our community actually happen in, happens in silos. So we've got folks in Visitation Valley only talking with Visitation Valley. We've got folks in Bayview, again, only talking within a very small corridor of, of 3rd Street in the Bayview Merchant Corridor. We don't have people talking to the Petrero Hill Merchants Association, Dog Patch Neighborhood Association, all these different fragmented conversations happening, largely talking about the same thing, crime, keeping the streets clean, um, businesses, supporting small businesses, um, maintaining um, the city, the, the uh, neighborhood, making sure the city and the neighborhood is livable and vibrant for everyone. But no one really looked to their neighbor. Now, they stayed within their neighborhood, but didn't reach beyond those boundaries. So that is one thing that I, that I saw, that I, that I actually um, made a concerted effort on the campaign to really build bridges. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, building bridges goes beyond just the neighborhood, because again, it goes with connecting um, the southeast to the large part of San Francisco and saying, hey, wake up, we are out here, we want bike paths, we want dog parks, we want, we want open space, um, we no longer want to have a neighborhood or a reputation of, of, of a crime-filled um, community. Uh, the other thing that I learned um, is really we're all human and can, how to connect with that human spirit, whether you're living in public housing, whether you own your own property, or um, you're Asian, you're African American, if you're male or you're female, we are all one. We are really a community. And when we start to realize and move in the direction of um, of being humans and having this human experience and connecting together, really, if you will, being each other's keeper, then then San Francisco really begins to continue to thrive. Now, on the campaign, I also learned um, through my through the endorsement process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you go through this process to get endorsed from different folks, saying yes, Malia is okay, no, Malia is not okay, or so on, or no endorsement. But um, having a, a broad base. Now, we have ranked choice voting in in um, in San Francisco, and that's how I was elected. There were um, a total of 21 candidates in 
the race. No clear front runner, no major person with um, heavy political experience, no person that carried um, the, the heavy downtown interests or big business. So you had a lot of 21 candidates just all kind of on equal feel, mm -hmm. on equal keel, even keel. And so what I saw very quickly was um, the, the, the strategy to being successful was to build coalitions and also to approach um, your communication in a multilingual approach. See, in my district, it's one of the most ethnically diverse parts of San Francisco. So in campaigning, we incorporated that. My campaign team was ethnically diverse. I had, um, I had seniors, I had young people, I had all different types of volunteers. I had folks that were, could speak Chinese, they could speak Spanish, they could speak Tagalog, they could speak Samoan, um, all coming together and reaching out one by one to, to bring people in. And it was a certain level of momentum that attracts people. I, um, it, we had a phrase, we all do windows, we all do floors. I wouldn't ask any of my volunteers to do anything that I wasn't willing to do. If we were at the bus stop in the morning, I was at the bus stop in the morning with you, handing out literature. And I really think that that's critical, uh, a critical piece um, to bring into City Hall, uh, that I am, yes, I am elected to lead, but more importantly to serve. And that is um, my, number one, my number one focus point is I'm here to serve. So when you call me, I'm here, I'm at your service. So let's talk a little bit about issues, issues sure. facing San Francisco, issues uh, facing your district, and how you're going to balance um, the needs of San Francisco at large against the needs of your district uh, in particular. Well, I actually see um, the needs of San Francisco and the needs of District 10 not being counteractive or counterintuitive, but when we address the needs of District 10 residents, we also address the issue of folks that are living in the mission, that are also people that are working class people, people that, are, that have uh, blue collar uh, jobs. And really that is really paramount on and centered on education. So for young people, making sure, um, uh, ensuring that we're providing them a quality education in public schools. So I serve uh, as chair on the select committee. That's a committee between the uh, members of the board of supervisors and members on the school board coming together to, to, to address some of the challenges. Um, and in, in on this particular case, when we're talking about education, again, we're talking about working class communities, the Excelsior, the OMI, as well as the Bayview, the Portola, all these different, these neighborhoods, they're smaller enclaves, but we're still faced with the same kind of challenges academically. Now, when our schools begin to perform uh, stellar academic programs, then businesses will, will continue to relocate because their um, employees will want to live in San Francisco and want their kids to be educated here as well. See how you see it's a cyclical um, and a symbiotic relationship. Um, another challenge: we've got the highest unemployment rate in the southeast part of San Francisco. Um, now, San Francisco before it's starting; to, the numbers are starting to come down a little bit. We had high un unemployment rate um, in the latter, in the mid to latter part of last year, but it's starting to, the, the, the market is starting to normalize, but we still have high unemployment and it goes back to education. So what I'd like to see are pathways to careers. Not everyone is going to grow up and become a doctor and a lawyer or a journalist, fantastic TV host, you see? So what do we do? Well, you know, we live in a society where we need engineers, we need sound engineers, we need graphic designers. Um, there are people that prefer to learn with tactile with their hands and so they like mechanics um, so we need to begin bring back some shop um, 
the shops back into our schools and allow people an, uh, an opportunity for a, a different pathway. If, if nursing is a pathway, validating um, um, the, uh, the hair and makeup industry. You and I both know we spend a lot of money in that industry. Mm -hmm. And you don't need a college degree. You just need a passion, uh, a, 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 an art, an art form, and to, an outlet. And so validating it and creating pathways for young people to go down those paths. If you want to become a nurse, here's a, here's a course at the Southeast College or at San Francisco City College to take you down that course. And you start and you introduce these ideas to the students while they're in high school, while they're still engaged, where they, were, where they haven't uh, disassociated and just totally pulled out. And I think we'll also begin to see more of particularly our African-American men becoming more involved in, 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 in education. I talked to the, um, to the uh, he was the, then the police chief and now he's the district attorney, uh, Gascon. He had a really good idea about a, a young like junior academy that would take San Franciscans, teach them um, certain skills that they would need in order to get into police academy. You can make a wonderful living as a police officer. Um, and, and again, I'm very big on public service. The same, same kind of a notion with the fire department. These are these are careers that you don't normally think about um, in, in when you're in high school. You oftentimes are, are relegated to a path to, to go to a four-year university. Well, that's not for everyone, but, there, but there's an opportunity for everyone to work. That's the main point that I'm trying to drive home. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we talk about the issues, I, we, there's two that, that stand out for me, education and um, economic and workforce development stimulating the local economy. We've got the Third Street Merchant Corridor um, and an opportunity to revitalize what I consider to be the main artery of the Bayview District, of the Southeast Quarter. Third Street is a pretty long street. If you take it from AT&T Park and went all the way down to Candlestick Park, there's a, large there's a lot of opportunity there. Let's not squander that. When we recruit the businesses, we want it to be a healthy mix that reflects the cultural history of the southeast part of the city. What are your thoughts on how the city can deal with the budget issue? You know, we are really in a very difficult um, time financially as a country, as a state, and here as a city and, and a county. And uh, we've got a um, multi-million dollar deficit. And what, what I see is that we've got competing priorities. Okay, tell we've me got, more about that. We've got a whole host of nonprofits and service organizations that provide a service to um, as a social safety net for people. So when, if people aren't able to, uh, they're not making bring enough money, they get on CalWORKs or they get on some kind of aid, if we cut that aid, it has an adverse effect on, us, on a population that needs it. Um, I, I'd like to see the city continue to move in a direction where we're still prioritizing our youth and our seniors when it comes to our budget, um, our budget strategy. Now, I wasn't fortunate enough to be named uh, to the budget committee, but I will be um, exercising my voice through this budget process to really guide us through this this precarious system. I think we will start to have a we need to have a very serious conversation about our pension, mm -hmm. and uh, Supervisor Ellsburn really uh, carried the torch on pension reform. And to some degree, Jeff Adachi even tried to dis have a discussion also about about pension reform. Phil Ting, our city assessor. Just had started the conversation about uh, Prop 13, and so there are several there are several policies that are in place on the state level and on the local level that's having an adverse effect on us on our financial health locally. So we're kind of in a quandary. We can't 
we can't really move beyond that until we, until we, until we remove the blockages. Prop 13 is a serious block. Um, it would free up hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, um, that could be bought into the public schools that can also be uh, in cash that can be infused in, in our, our local, um, or for, that, for that matter, our state economy. So there's, there's a, that's a very complicated question and uh, yeah. one that I've only brushed, um, brushed the surface on. That's another segment. So we'll follow that by another complicated question. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to get your thoughts on um, homelessness and what the city is doing um, about homelessness, wh what direction you think we should be headed in mm -hmm. uh, to cure uh, mm -hmm. what has become a very big issue in San Francisco. Yeah, it is. You know, homelessness is very interesting because when you look at it from a sociological perspective, right, we've got homeless people, some of the community, the homeless community enjoy being on the street and prefer prefer that lifestyle, and others actually want help. But I think when we um, also, we need to do a better job of taking care of those mentally ill because when you're on the street and you listen to the homeless folks or you watch them um, interacting you see that they're a little disturbed um, so I think the city overall has done a good job in terms of housing, taking them off the street, providing services. Uh, the program that Mayor Newsom started, uh, Project Homeless Connect, connecting um, members of the homeless community are um, to services, mm -hmm. dental, vision, um, massage therapy. <laughs> Um, housing, counselor, mental health. I mean, these are some core things that you and I probably take for granted. We have access and we have resources that we can leverage. The community doesn't. In the southeast part of the city, um, we actually don't have very many homeless facilities. There's one that I know of, um, uh, Providence Baptist Church. And I'm telling you, I've seen uh, every night, um, the, this line is wrapped around the corner. Hmm. And um, it's cold. Um, out, out on the streets, and, and, these, and this is a men's shelter in particular. These men are coming in and staying on a mat on the uh, on the floor of a gymnasium. I mean, we're not talking, yeah, a lavish existence. Four seasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> Four seasons here, but definitely, um, uh, I, I think we are a very compassionate city and should continue to extend a compassionate hand to the homeless community. What's happening with crime in your district and how do you think the police department is doing to address the issue of crime specifically in District 10? Statistically, we've got a lot of crime. Um, homicides, um, so far there are um, there were two in my district just in the last week. Um, and on a I serve on, I'm vice chair of the, of the Public Safety Committee. And so safety and, and, and how we define safety, not just in terms of crime, but just overall public safety is actually something that's very important and another one of my priorities. And uh, what I'd like to see is more of a community policing approach and being, engaging more of the community. So that includes using organizations like SAFE, um, which is a neighborhood-based organization, where when neighbors get together and they're literally watching the streets and watching and, and, and giving information to, um, to the police department. Think about taxi cabs. They're all over the city. They also can be the eyes and ears of, a, of the police department if trained uh, properly. Um, I think we could also better utilize the sheriff's department. They have the same training as members of the police department and um, I think that warrants a, we could have a healthy conversation and, um, and considering um, partnering, uh, uh, part creating a stronger partnership with the sheriff's department. But overall, crime, 
Yes, crime needs, we need to reduce the number of homicides, we need to reduce the number of aggravated assaults, petty crimes, misdemeanors. Um, I do get my fair share in, 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 in my district. And also that's one issue that is universal between safety and um, education that everyone is uh, very much concerned about. Talk to me a little bit uh, about the progress um, on environmental cleanup in mm -hmm. the areas of San Francisco where that is uh, a growing concern. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in, in San Francisco, specifically in the southeast quadrant, um, San Francisco, it was the industrial um, armpit. We've got uh, the dump in the district. We've got the... Um, two major toxic sites. We've got the shipyard and we've got Slage Lock site. Um, both of those toxic chemicals that are still in the ground are from earlier activities, uh, business activities. Then um, we also have um, um, the PUC, the, <laughs> the water treatment plant in the district. For me, the environment and the quality of the environment is actually very important. And there's a direct relationship with the high asthma rates that I have in my community, the high breast cancer rates, cancer rates in particular, but also breast cancer. And um, even to some degree, childhood obesity, so, um, there's a correlation between the environment that people are growing up in. So um, when we, again, when we talk about my legislative priorities, the environment is also on that list of priorities. Um, minimizing asthma, maintaining this asthma task force that we will continue to keep implemented from my, pre my predecessor started, addressing the challenges and educating people on healthy lifestyles, exercise, healthy diet. Um, when we talk about the environment, it's also it's about the foods that we're taking into our body, the, our stress level, um, and um, also a, a component that is not often discussed is our mental health. So in, from my perspective, mental health, physical health, all, all factor into the environment, the environment that people are living in. If it's in their small, immediate home, if it's in their neighborhood, in their block, or if it's the whole southeast quadrant. Either way you dice it up, we have had our disproportionate share of challenges. And a large part of that has to do with the reasons of the, a large part of the reasons that ha has happened is policy priorities that the city has um, implemented. We have an opportunity, you talk, this goes back to jobs. The PUC is going to have a multi, uh, a billion dollar project of uh, um, rebuilding the uh, digesters, which are the, which is the wastewater management uh, treatment plant in the, in, in the district. Ma making sure that people are that are living in the neighborhood are hired from the neighborhood to work on these projects. A pathway to a career that will be sustainable and one, People are able to provide for themselves in their homes. They put money back into the local economy. They're buying houses. They're, they're paying their property taxes. The money's going into the school district. Their kids are being educated. We're raising a healthy community. Thank you so much for joining us on SFGTV's Meet Your Supervisor. Thank you for having me. Watch for more episodes of Meet Your District Supervisor. We'll be back with another one of our 11 city supervisors. For SFGTV, I'm Holly Lee Knox.